Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, my man? Uh, really good weekend. Um, you know, you know the flying thing, I'm always giving you tips on how to get like the first class seats and all that. So um, mm-hmm. so what I do is when it comes close to the end of the year, if I don't hit the numbers that I need to hit, I'll do like a little BS trip, you know, like a Boston run or a Miami run. And they're low, low cost and run. So Saturday, Isabel and I decided to hop on and do a Boston run not realizing that at the same time we were doing this flight is when those storms were going across America. Okay. Those big, huge storms. So we're getting ready to take off pilot. You know what I mean? Fires that bad boy. You know, I get excited. Ah, let's go. And he's like, yeah, just let you guys know we're going to be flying over that storm and uh, just hold on tight. We're not going to have service. Dude, that was a wild ride, buddy. I mean, I knew planes can do that, but I didn't know they could go side to side, turn around and spin in circles and dip wings. He even went up to 40,000 feet to try to get over it just because it was so bumpy. And uh, we made it to Boston and got to Boston. The clouds were so low, they couldn't even land. They had to turn around and try it again on another runway. And we actually saw the ground like as 200 feet off the ground before we landed. It was crazy. And my wife is like, wow. you're a sicko. I'm not doing this with you again. You know what I mean? This was <laughs> a bullshit trip and now you got me my life is hanging on the line on a bullshit trip (laughs) also you can get status Dwayne just for status right there (laughs) we went to Boston for lunch you know it was a good day we went for lunch and came back the same day it was pretty dope (laughs) I love it it, dude yeah those storms they come ripping through here in Pennsylvania too and there was like 40 mile an hour winds it was so warm and knocking the lights out and knocking the trees down but uh, I'm glad you made it through brother that's really cool Yeah, that, that was a time when I was like we gotta go back like uh, you know how I love to fly, dude. Like I'll take routes all over the country just to fly for no reason. And that was the day Saturday. I was like, man, we gotta go back. Like we gotta go fly back over that. And just on our way back too, it bump. It was bumpy, bumpy, bumpy all the way back. You know what I mean? Up wow. until like maybe the last thirty minutes, it smoothed out. <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty wild. Well, today, guys, we got an awesome uh, guest. Uh, you guys might know this guy. He's uh, been 30 years in our industry, 17 years as a contractor out there slinging pavers with us, uh, five years as a manufacturer of modular elements. And he'll tell us more about that here on the on our conversation. Uh, and he also has been uh, working uh, for about eight years now with Bellguard. So without any further ado, uh, Joe Raboyne, welcome and Happy birthday, brother. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, um, I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Um, I thought this would be perfect for my birthday. So I appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. Perfect timing. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so Joe, you've been through, you know, the industry a very long time now, and uh, I'd love to get a sense of how you got into this industry. Is this something that kind of fell on you or did you go into it? And, um, you know, what have you seen over the years and what's coming? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been fascinating. By the way, I can't believe it's been almost thirty years. I just, especially as my birthday today, I'm like, man, I'm that I'm getting old. 
Um, but uh, so my family's always been in construction. My father's a carpenter, um, you know, to build houses. They did in-ground pools, all of that when I was growing up. And so for me, it was in my blood. Somewhere along the lines in high school, I was convinced to, uh, to, to try to go to school to become a chiropractor. So I actually went for pre-med, um, which is crazy in, in hindsight. But um, eventually just decided that I love doing this and never, never really extended beyond that. Just started uh, contracting uh, with my brother. Uh, doing full masonry. Um, and we started doing, I, I think we did our first uh, anchor wall um, back in 91. And then we did some Houndstone patios. And back then that was really the extent of outdoor living. <laughs> if you did a 200 square foot Houndstone patio in uh, outside the Milwaukee area, we were in Southeast Wisconsin. I mean, that was a big deal to try to sell that. And so it's crazy just looking at the evolution of this industry in the last 30 years, I mean, it's actually unbelievable. Um, and I still feel like we have only scratched the surface and uh, where we're at. I mean, just incredible opportunities for everyone moving forward. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I love this industry. I think I, I can't imagine a, a better industry to be in. I mean, we create beautiful spaces where people that truly do impact people's lives for the better. Um, we may not always look at it that way. You know, it's, you could say, well, yeah, it's a luxury product and, you know, we target the, you know, middle, upper, middle income, upper, upper class, but, but what these spaces can do for those people still has the ability to affect and change lives. And I think, um, for anybody who's been in this business a long time, I think getting to the root of why you're in this business, um, may, many people may not even know why there's something, but there's something that attracted you here. And I believe it's the it's creating these spaces that really, you know, I mean, there's nothing better than finishing a project up and and standing there and you know talking to the homeowner, and then even better uh, following up a year later and, and having them tell you about how much this has benefited their life. So, um, so if, I mean, for everybody's in the industry, I know it, sometimes you get bogged down in the minutia, and it's tough to stand back and think about it that way because you're thinking about payroll and you know equipment and people are complaining and all that stuff that goes on day to day. But, but really, and especially now with the way the world, the state of the world is and with what's going on, I think these spaces are needed more than ever. And, and um, there's a ton of research going into that right now. Um, and I think there's, there's an ability for us to, to frame in a better way, how we approach the sale and how we approach design that, um, can really develop spaces that are tailor-made for people and, and that they can use on a day-to-day -day basis and that can really improve their lives. It's not just a, a frivolous, you know, trendy item. It's something that is definitely, um, you know, impactful in their lives. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's fun stuff. I mean, that's, uh, and, you know, look at the way, you know, with products, I mean, that the level of creativity today compared to what it was even 20 years ago, it's just, I, I think, you know, you look at what you guys are doing and social media and just all of that, there's, it, you, you can argue that we're at a um, maybe not so great time in history, but there's also some really fascinating things happening with this kind of cross pollination of ideas. I mean, it's, you know, it's been said, no one really has an original idea. We always steal and take pieces from other people. And I think that's great. I mean, the more that we're exposed to things, it just helps us as designers to, to do a better job overall and think you know, think things, think about things differently through the lens of other people. So I love that. I love that. And what do you think some of the, in the last 30 years, what do you think in the outdoor living world, you mentioned things being kind of basic and now being more 
customized. What else have you seen as far as transitions go from those Holland patio days to 2021 GIE knocked it out of the park uh, display you guys had there? Like, how has that changed the needs from our clients? How has that changed? Yeah, um, I think, and if anyone's heard me ever give a presentation, they've probably heard me start out with this. I, I, I think in the last decade, especially outdoor living has really become an expectation. It's, it's no longer even a trend. People just they're building a house. They're going to have an outdoor space. They're remodeling. They're going to have an outdoor space. It's not even a question in their mind. So it's really, you know, that I think is is one of the biggest fundamental changes. And we saw this coming, I would say even five or 10 years ago with a lot of the, the bigger national and regional builders were prior to that. Um, they didn't even want to talk about out, the outdoors at all. It was all indoors. They, they looked at it. I've had, and many would even say, well, if I sell that, they're going to take away from the kitchen upgrade, right? But what's changed is that they, they've come to us, um, and I'm sure you guys are experiencing this, saying, if I don't have this space in my house, people won't buy my home. And so that's a, a you, you can see, to me, that's proof right there that this has changed into this clear expectation uh, and just a greater awareness of what's there. I think... With that, with that being said, I still believe um, the vast majority of homes still don't have a quality outdoor space, and people people definitely don't understand what what's even possible. Right? They don't. They have no idea what the costs are. They don't know what materials are. And I think these are this is the opportunity for us, um, for all of us, to become outdoor living experts. And and whether or not you you do the whole project or not if you if you don't want to be the gc and do you know all of that's involved then you need to align yourselves with other professionals who share that same vision who are on your team because most homeowners today do not want to i mean we're all we're all homeowners right or we all we all live somewhere and and uh most people don't like dealing with contractors i mean it's just the way it is right so if you tell them if you design a space and tell them that they have to deal with 10 contractors to pull it off, they're probably not going to do it, right? So they're looking for people who are offering turnkey and who are doing it efficiently. So if you think about they they will pay more. And, you know, it's interesting with us is we employ all kinds of agencies to do studies. We're always doing research. And this is one of the number one things that comes back is that the process of buying our product is extremely painful. It's very confusing. It's time consuming. It's messy. It's expensive, um, and yet people still do it, which is to, to me digs to the, the, the heart of the why, right? Despite all that, people still want these spaces and are willing to wait and go through that pain of, of getting it. Um, but but for us, thinking through is, is um, and I, so I, I continue to lump myself in as a contractor still, even though it's been a while. Uh, but I, I just think through that lens. But um, for contractors, I think that opportunity to really position yourself as the is the expert and Again, whether you do it or not, align yourselves. That's really the future. I mean, you, not to say there's not an opportunity for people who specialize in certain aspects. There certainly is. But when it comes to outdoor living in particular, you, you really need to try to offer the full turnkey solution to really tap into that full potential. At least that's what that what's what we're saying. So I want to drop on something like you and I met, I want to say maybe 15, 16 years ago. We actually originally met at a Unilock. Um, so I, I don't think the world knows that you're the mod guy, like you're the guy who created that, that system and then sold it to Unilock. And then it sort of went over to Bellegarde and stuff from there. But we met at that event yeah. and you know, I mean, I flew out and come hung, I came hang out with you guys up here in Wisconsin. Um, 
Yep. At the time we met, you had went from contractor to manufacturer, and now you're a upper echelon manufacturer. You mean operating across the whole country? How how connected are you with the contractors as of right now? Like, do you get you still get to hit the ground floor? Do you still get to to do the talk and do the sales and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's one. Uh, I think it's 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 kind of funny that you asked that because it's something that I still uh, feel very strongly about. I mean, even at H and A. You know, I'm there the whole 10 days. I'm working hand in hand with a con, like physically working with our contractors to build that display. Um, I try to attend as many of our, our Belgard universities as possible. Um, I work um, really handle all new products. So um, when it comes to installations, um, for instance, here in Atlanta, where I live now, um, probably three or four times a year, I'm out actually working with contractors on new installations to, to help launch new products. So for me, it's critical to be a part of that because, um, I mean, if you lose sight of that, I mean, what have we got? I mean, everything we have flows through contractors. And if there's a problem with our products, um, I want to know about it firsthand. And I want, I want to be able to speak to that, you know, that, I, hey, I've actually done this. And here's what I found. And here's some of the tricks and tips for it. Or here's some of the issues that we're working through that. You know, I mean, it's, um, and, and, and it's a humbling place to be, honestly, because I think um, back to when I was contracting and I, you know, sometimes you feel like there's a disconnect there, right? Like they don't, you know, manufacturers may not be listening to what we're asking or what the issues that we have. But um, so I try really hard to make sure that I, I maintain that connection. And uh, and quite honestly, it's in my blood. Like I would literally go crazy if I couldn't go out and do some <laughs> physical work like that. <laughs> so it's important. It's, it's just part of who I am. So yeah. Now, now, Joe, what are some of the struggles that you're seeing contractors facing right now? And how is Belgard, you know, positioning themselves to help them through those struggles? Yeah, I mean, there's, I would say it, it's funny. And, and uh, we've said this internally, but we've grown just a tremendous amount, obviously, right along with all you guys, um, you know, 25, 30, 35 percent, depending on the market over the last couple of years each year, which is insane, right? So, we, we totally get the struggles with product. I mean, I, if anybody's listening, it's like, man, you have been waiting on product for weeks or months in some cases. None of us saw this coming, right? So it's just an incredible time. And, and I would say across the board, we've talked to contractors and even internally, like it's been a phenomenal two years, but it just doesn't feel good sometimes, right? It's, it's been a struggle and, 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 and not to disparage. I mean, clearly we're all blessed to be in the position we're in, but um, but it's a challenge, right? I mean, getting product, keeping employees, equipment, just trying to maintain, even maintain or even grow during a time like this is it's, is, a, is a real challenge. Um, for us, you know, thinking through, and again, you know, for me, having had the privilege of being on multiple ends of this from, um, you know, when we started with uh, virtually nothing as a contractor to being part of a big uh, company like Belgard and Oldcastle, um, just thinking through the challenges. I mean, labor is one of the things that, you know, Dwayne, I think you said it earlier, like, I don't want to turn this into a discussion about labor. Labor is the crux of the whole problem our industry has. And so for us, everything we do, whether it, in, all the way from start to finish, everything that we market, every program we develop, every product we develop, anything, literally anything we do is through the lens of how can this help our contractors become more efficient? So that and and how can we recruit and train new people into the industry? 
Um, I, I don't think it's news to anybody that, you know, and it, this is a, for all trades, the average age of many tradesmen is in their late 50s. <laughs> um, there are thousands that are retiring daily and not enough going in. And there's certainly not enough going into our industry. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we sell heavy product and not to disparage really anyone. I mean, I don't blame anyone, honestly. Look at what we do. Like, why would I want to do that? It's super heavy. You know, after 40, I'm shot. Like you say, and so I've, I've had many conversations even with really, uh, I would say, high-end contractors that are, you know, family-owned. And I said, it, let me ask you a question. Would you or do you plan to encourage your children to continue on with this? The vast majority have said, no way. I want them to go to school. I don't want them to do this. And I said, but so we complain about labor, yet we don't want our own children sometimes to follow in our footsteps. And I said, well, why is that? Well, it's just too hard. Like everything about it is just too many hours. It's too physically hard. And so for me, you know, I mean, that's, it's disheartening for one. Right. And I, and I would say, and I've, I have five children too. And I've, I've thought through my wife and I've talked through this, like, it's not an easy being in business is tough. Being in our business is very tough because especially if you're in Northern climates where you're not working year round, I mean, you've got a short window to work. It's, it's just, it's a grind. Right. So but when you look at where technology is today, with equipment, with sales software, with rendering, there are lots of ways to become more efficient and set your business up where it, 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 it could essentially run itself. And if you think about, um, or there's several things, it could, it could, any business, the goal of it is to sell it and bring value at some point, potentially, or to pass it on. And you want it to run smoothly. So you need systems in place. And systems at every level, right? So I think for a lot of contractors, especially ones who may, may or may not have been in the industry a long time, it's a challenge to go try to find that information. We don't have a formal trade um, training program like, you know, like uh, an electrician, for instance. I mean, NCMA and, and ICPR are, are great uh, um, organizations, but we still don't have a formal training process where you start out and you go through the whole process and become a master, you know, a master uh, hardscaper. I, and I think honestly, at some point we, we need that. I mean, we, we are essentially building outdoor homes with no roofs. I mean, everything that goes into a house is in an outdoor space, right? So they are extremely complex. Um, but so for us trying to tackle number one, making, helping to make our contractors more efficient is, is number one, but number two is also recruitment. And when you think about recruitment, what can we do in terms of technology, whether it's equipment or, or you know, rendering technology, all of that to really entice the next generation to want to be in this industry, right? Because we, the tools are there. I mean, there's technology there with VAX and lifts. And, and one of the things we're working on is how do, we, how do we pair ourselves or help develop our products around the use of the technology that's there when it comes to installation? Because... In theory, look at there's equipment out there that, you know, a six year old could could install this stuff like we don't need to physically lift this stuff anymore. And quite honestly, we shouldn't be right. If you think about like we, we should be evolving into, you know, into tapping into what's out there if we do that. And I think the challenge and, and forgive me if I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I think the challenge is in somewhat of perception even of how our industry has evolved and how we I would say uh I think there's a need to justify sometimes what we charge. So um, a lot of people break their bids out this way and we'll present it to homeowners, you know, time and materials. Hey, it's going to be 200 hours. I'm going to be here three weeks, man, this is a pain. And it's almost a way to justify what they're charging. 
in reality, the consumer, like I said earlier, is terrified of contractors and in most cases are willing to pay a premium to get you in and out of there in a few days. So if you invest in equipment and can show, it's really this level of perception too, right? Wow, this guy came in here with top-notch equipment. He knocked this out in three days. It's incredible. It was very little disruption versus somebody who's been here for a month who's doing everything by hand and wheelbarrowing. Like it's just, I think as an industry, we need to look at how can we continue to elevate ourselves as professionals? And if we do that, this industry could probably be twice as big as it is today, right? We, we just, I, I've, I really believe that. I really believe there's just that much opportunity still ahead of us. So I, I, Joe, I think we're actually just now getting started. If you ask me, like, um, you mean, if you give you a scenario, the basements, if you called somebody up for a basement, they all know they're going to be in 60 to a hundred K same thing for a kitchen. And when I was laying patios, you call for a patio, the average budget was like 6K and you were all out rich if you got something for 12,000. And just recently we were working on a project and funny, you said it's like building many houses with roofs. I'm working on a job. Uh, we're finishing up one in Frankfurt and it's close to 200 K. And I was just talking to the client. I said, you got to understand. I said, you don't realize how much goes into this job. I said, this is actually like building a house. I mean, there's so many moving parts. There's so many things going on. It's the question that I have after all that long winded stuff I said is how are we getting contractors from just laying pavers to understanding architecture, styles, materials, colors, and just getting that type of work in the ground? Cause that's really where the value is. I, I mean, I, I don't want to kill it, but dropping a paver patio in is, is actually destroying values and it's been doing it for years, but how we, how do we get them up to speed on, on the, the out, the real outdoor living? Yeah, that's a great question. It's something, um, and, and, you know, you guys probably saw it at H&A, but one of the things that, and so, and again, with technology, I think this, it's a fascinating time to be, to be in this business is, uh, and I would say we're, we're just as, as uh, part of the blame here, right? Is that we, as an industry have historically started and sold product like our whole focus is product. We, we would come in and I, and I, when I was a contract, I did the same thing. Sometimes come with two or three brochures, you drop the brochure in, you ask him where the project is. You start to go measure it. You, you spend very little time trying to understand why they even want this space and dig into that part of it. Um, the reality is, is that the product that consumers buying is the space and the product itself is secondary. It's two or second or third down on the list, right? They're, they're buying the space thinking, Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out here and entertain. I'm gonna you know this is a great place to relax. And, and in a lot of ways, it would be like and I use you know if you use the house analogy, it would be like we're selling carpet before we've even shown them an elevation or, a, or you know an exterior, right? It's like or the or the layout. It's like what carpet do you want? Like well, wait a minute, I'm not even sure what I even want for my house, but you're talking about the carpet. And and as a manufacturer you know, that is a thought that's kind of foreign to us, right? <laughs> so we're like, wait a minute, we, we sell product, we sell, you know, but in the consumer's eyes, that's, that's not the way they approach it. So one of the things that we launched this year that we're going to continue to build out is this idea of Belgard rooms, where we're segmenting the outdoor space into rooms. And we're, we're really, we believe this will become the catalog of our future, what people will buy based on space and then the product becomes ancillary to that or you just backfill it with you know it doesn't matter what it is within there it could be porcelain could be you know or some of our new pavers geometrics whatever it is but we want them to focus on the space itself 
and how those spaces are used. And from there, they can use these spaces, um, stitch them together in a full plan, or even just take inspiration from it. Um, and and it, does, it does many things for us. And for number one, it helps, it helps bring focus to product development because um, if you don't look at these spaces as complete spaces, you can easily miss gaps in the portfolio. So um, could be coping steps. And we clearly have gaps. I mean, we're, I'll be completely transparent. We're working through that. Um, but, and, and as part of that, we've replatformed our entire product line where we're essentially, everything's completely modular. Things are built out on Imperial measurements. The thicknesses are the same and there's consistency across, uh, product families. So what that does for us, it allows us to open up also a focus on color and texture because we know color and texture are really the deciding factors, color in particular for, for people when they finally make a decision. So Joe, um, another question is um, like, say when you see like car commercials and other commercials or even toys, they'll have the toy and then they'll have the environment around it. Just like a car, you'll have a nice new car parked in a driveway and you'll have the house, you'll have the building, you'll have everything. One of the things that I actually see with the brick paper manufacturers, and this is, and I won't say any names, I was actually going to work with one with the design and their biggest focus was just to sell product. And I had to walk away. I mean, it was probably a really big deal. And I just could, I couldn't allow my why to do it. But one thing I noticed about the paper and manufacturers, and I saw it even at the H&A, they're never incorporating any other materials anywhere or anything. It's just use our concrete products and put them all over the, the place. And there's no like, hey, let's use some composite, you mean fencing here, or composite planter boxes, and then we'll have our pavers here. And, and they give the sort of this false narrative of this big concrete space that doesn't match the architecture. And I see, I see it, they, it's over and over and over again. Yeah, we see it often, you know, in the industry where it looks like an explosion at the factory. You know, it's like, hey, guys, look, you've got everything in that parking lot to use for the outdoor living space. So you have segmental block and you've got those pavers. Have fun. Everything has to be a paver or a block. Go have fun, guys. And it looks like an explosion. And, you know, you wonder why it doesn't feel like a nice, comfortable space to go enjoy. And that's you're right, Dwayne. For years, I've been in this industry over 25 years now. And for years, it was all about slinging brick, right? It was always about, hey, look at my brick is shinier. You know what I mean? Or my, my paver is shinier. So now uh, you, how many can you possibly? be stick in this backyard and it's it was a game and the, the manufacturers were focused on moving product and volume right so they're like okay you can use this we're going to come up with a wall now that looks just like the paver now it looks like you have even more of it not just horizontally but vertically and it makes sense from a business model right to sell volume but the problem is the end user ended up getting screwed in that deal because it didn't match their house to Dwayne's point it and a lot of the guys were putting it in it wasn't holding up and it gave us all a very big black eye and now we've got to go back and fix that, uh, you know, by, by retraining our, our buyers into what this whole thing of outdoor living actually is, because paper patios, nobody wants anymore. Nobody wants that shit anymore. What they want is an outdoor living space. They want an extension of their home. And you're smart as a manufacturer to be thinking about how do you fit into that narrative and how do you start showing spaces like you did at the HNA and in catalogs and stuff where you're showing the lifestyle that is created by these products, not the products themselves. You know, I don't remember the last time I walked into a new home and the homeowner's like, oh, Josh, you got to go look at my new tile floor. And they just jump on the ground, like totally like it's their favorite part of their house. That's it's it's a piece of the house. And that's but that's how we've been selling outdoor living. Hey, look at all these pavers. Let me give you a manual of a thousand choices. Which one do you like the most? They don't know what the hell they want.
want. They're over inundated with the choice and they don't make any decision and they walk away. What they want is two or three options max. One that you say is the best choice because you're the designer and they're professional. And then they want you to say, okay, now let's lead this charge and build an outdoor room that extends the use of my house. That's what they're looking for. And so many are like, look, I've got a shiny brick. You want more shiny bricks? Lots of them in the backyard. I don't care where you want them. How many you want? You know, and, and nobody wants that conversation anymore. They want you to figure them out and they want you to create this space that knocks their socks off. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear it all the time and people, especially, uh, and I would say this is true for everyone, but you know, like you talk about like what, what's driving the millennial generation and, and this is, and especially during COVID with everyone really is this idea that they're, they're interested in these experiences and we're just we're so hungry for connection with nature and with, you know, people again, <laughs> um, that this is what we should be talking about is how, how are these spaces will affect their lives and that all the, all, all the rest of it will come. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll end up doing bits and pieces or maybe phasing things in, but if you come in, like you said, strictly focused on product, they're not, they're not interested. Right. I mean, it's just, it's like selling the, you know, a used car salesman at that point in some ways. Right. So yep. No, it's but so are you true. seeing, Joe, are you seeing the change in contractors or what are you seeing sort of mainstream? I, no, I think there is definitely a change going on in that regard. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the interest during COVID has afforded contractors to be more selective. Um, I think we're seeing contractors that have, you know, raised their prices, have uh, really taken on projects that they want to do. And, and whereas before they would take anything, maybe that came along um, and, and are being more creative, right? I mean, you can, you can afford to be a little bit more, you know, creative or, or risk-taking with some of this, um, whereas before you may not have. Um, and I think, you know, especially with supply chain issues, they've got, had to, in some cases have had to have gotten more creative, you know, maybe using products that were available that maybe they wouldn't normally have used or, you know, vice versa, or like you said, integrating composites and metals and doing different things with screening and lighting and pergolas and I mean, all of that. And, and I think, you know, again, it kind of coincides with this extreme um, interest in outdoor living. So it's a good time to, to really get in and dive into that. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I talk to some contractors, sometimes they would actually like some of the stuff we were doing and like, they would like, I wish I was in your area or I can't get my clients to spend this or spend that. And really it's no different. Like I'm not running any different. Maybe I, maybe we are, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe, I mean, people are seeing our marketing and stuff like that and they know that it's going to be what it is, but still to have every single job that we touch, in the six figure range. That's that. I mean, you, when you think about Joe, when we go all the way back to the beginning, I almost got to pinch myself. You know what I mean? Like that's freaking nuts. You know, like who's spending this on their backyards. And it just seems like every single one is just, you know, I mean, check, check, check back to back to back. And what I'm learning is it's not the client per se. It's the knowledge that we were giving to the client that was given to the client during the conversation. And it's, how are we getting, how are and I, you guys have the university? Are you guys teaching these contractors to have these type of conversations? Yeah, that's definitely a, a goal. I mean, it's, I always say it's funny. Um, a lot of contractors put out, they, everything's filtered, right? We're all human. It's all filtered through your own experience. So I would, and I remember I'm just as guilty going back in the day um, where you go up to a project and like, man, I, I can't, you feel like you're almost uh, you're embarrassed to ask for whatever, right? The sale and and, how, and something, especially if it's if it, it, the price gets up there. But 
you got to really take your own hat off and look at who these individuals are. A lot of times you're dealing with people who are in the multiple six figures, sometimes seven figure income. I mean, they've got, you know, they're at a different level of income than, than you may be at. So don't, don't filter it based on your own perception or your own experiences. Just come in there and design what you believe will be the best design for that client and just present it and don't apologize for it. Just, this is what it is. And don't try to justify it through, you know, it's going to, well, it's going to take me two months and don't, don't do that. Just present it and say, this is what it's caught. This is what the cost is. Um, and don't filter products. I mean, this is something we see common. I, I think because of the way a lot of people bid, they look at a more expensive product as being a detriment to the sale. Like, well, cause I'm, you know, let's instant, for instance, like porcelain versus a, a standard paver, right? Well, that's going to cost $5 a square foot more. In the context of a project that's several hundred thousand or even 50,000, to go from a low end to a high end product, and regardless of where it is in the spectrum, might add a few percent to the total cost of the job. It's not like, so don't, I mean, I think that's also a mistake, right? It's just like, look, look at the architect, like you said, look at the architecture and the home style, look at this client and choose what you believe would be the best possible end result for that project, the design and product. And just sell it. I mean, that they are looking to you as the expert. They don't want you to say, well, I don't know, pick one, right? No, no, you you need to be telling them that. Like there's so many choices that it's over it is overwhelming. So, and whether you and some people just don't feel comfortable, but you gotta own it. Just come in and say, Man, I, this is why I would choose it. You know, that matches the roof, it picks up the color and the siding, whatever it is. They're they're waiting for you to to present it that way. And I think if you can own that um, and, and may be uncomfortable at first, I think you'll find that people will gravitate and be like, hey, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. You might not know anything about it, but, you, you know, they're looking to you for that experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you'll end up with much better results. And, you know, don't don't backpedal. I mean, you think it's, you, you know, you're a professional and, and get what you deserve for it. And, and you got to view yourself that way. Yeah. Think about it. If the way I look at it and, and have for many years is how would I want to be treated? If I had saved for years or built equity in my home and I want to take it out and I want to build an outdoor living space for my family, I'm finally to that point. We know our clients only buy these spaces maybe once or twice in a lifetime. So how would you want to be treated? What kind of experience would you hope for? What, um, what kind of questions would you want to be asked? What kind of things would you want to avoid? right? The certain things that you're like, man, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Like, you know, a project lasts much longer than expected or doesn't turn out the way you want it to, or doesn't hold up or hell, it doesn't look good at all either at the end. Right. So what are some of these things that you can help protect your clients from that, you know, they have fears of, and it's into Dwayne's point earlier, you know, it's about having that conversation with them throughout the process, starting from day one about what do they truly want to create? And not, what do you want to buy? Fuck the buy part of the thing. It's about what do you actually want to create out here? What is it going to take to make it a space that's going to make, um, make a big impact in your life by making a comfortable, usable environment that your family is going to use on a daily basis? That's the big question. So what does that mean? Does that mean a built-in fire pit or a fire table? Does that mean a fireplace? Does that mean none of the above? Is that a water feature? Is that a pool? Is that a patio or a deck? Is there a roof involved? Is there some problems? Like getting into that kind of conversation, like you're a detective, each and every project, you're a detective and you go into this thinking, okay, well, we're going to figure out and unravel this case because ultimately our goal is to make sure we can land a project on these guys that is going to impact your life and really give them that maximum use and comfort. So what is that? And everybody's slightly different. 
we all know the three zones, grilling, dining, and lounging are super important. We have to have those in the backyard to be considered a finished outdoor living space. But some people, a grill is a simple stand-in-place grill. And others, it's a full-blown $50,000 outdoor kitchen. It's a big difference. Some people for dining, it's four top and that's plenty. Others, it's eight to 12 or multiple locations. And lounging is the same way. It could be a few people and a glass of wine. It could be board games. It could be the living room feel. It could be something more natural outside. But having that kind of a conversation and opening them up, you'd be surprised. And I know you already know this, Joe, but to the listeners, you'd be surprised how numbers start to just fade away. You start to, because you're coming into this conversation with your own hangups on money. You know, your own preconceived limiting beliefs and all that on money. Your clients most likely don't have that problem right? They probably have plenty of cash sitting in the back and they're not spending their last $2 on outdoor living, guys. This is the extra money they have laying around that they have been saving for something like this. This is a success purchase, something that say, look, this is like the Ferrari to them. Look, I can afford this for my family, even better than a Ferrari because they can actually have the family in it, right? But uh, this is a space that we can actually get together and, and I can not just from an ego side and show off what I've done, you know, and how successful I am, but as a as a family member, as a you know, to provide a space like this where they can create those memories, that's a bigger piece. But they don't see the numbers as much as you do. So when you go in trying to undercut the other guy or make it a transactional conversation versus a transformational conversation, I mean, Dwayne and I talk about that all the time. That's the biggest difference. If you're going in with one mindset versus the other, think about how different your conversation is going to be. How much can I sell them versus how much value can I possibly give them to come up with a solution together? It's a gigantic chasm between the two. In the old days, it's all about peddling product and 600 square foot patios, and maybe they'll go to 700. I'll make some extra money today. I'm not giving a shit whether their patio furniture fits or whether it makes sense with the architecture of the home or whether there's a seamless transition or you know materials that that match in. It was all about just moving product. Well, nowadays our buyers are much more sophisticated. You know, HGTV might piss a lot of people off because they tell us a lot of crap that isn't real. But it set the tone for people to really value a designer look. And the cool part about design is it can be whatever the hell you want it to be. As a designer, Dwayne has his own style. Joe, you have your style. We have our style. Everyone listening has their own style. That's the beautiful part about this. You can put your thumbprint on things. It doesn't have to be the way we do it. It's just you have to think about certain philosophies when you're laying it out to make sure you get the maximum use and comfort because that is when they'll dig a little deeper and create that space that they're always going to love. So think about that, not transactionally, transformationally, and you will unlock an incredible amount of value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, no, no one wants to be sold, right? That's you right. Want, Everybody want wants to, to buy, but nobody likes to be sold too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And I think it's some, it's easy to, again, it, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in it where you've got, you know, I'm, I'm going to knock out these two or three consultations tonight. I got to get home. I got, you know, like, but you're not. So to not spend enough time asking those questions, I think. And, and if you actually start to try to filter out some of those and really do some some pre-selling upfront and really filtering, you can afford to spend more time with those clients that are willing to do that. I think, I think you're right. I think most people are willing to do it. I mean, if they if you've done your again your homework up front and you know they're not just kicking tires, um, somebody's ready to make a decision like this carve out a couple hours to spend there. Don't try to rush it, right? And, and really understand them. And then and then come back and present the design. Don't just, hey, I'm going to email this to you. You know, I'm like, <laughs> go back and explain why you created whatever you created. And um, that's the experience people are looking for, absolutely. And and when you look at the companies that are, do, are providing that experience, those are the ones that are doubling and tripling their growth over several years. And 
have endless clients waiting, wait months, six months, some cases to get them to do that project because they know that it's worth it. So. Sounds like VizX a master plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we, no, but it's really it's a matter it's 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 helping people get the tools to be able to have a conversation. To your point, Joe, if you're chasing every lead coming in the door, right? It comes in, you you know, it lands in your cell phone probably. You're trying to answer it while you're laying papers, and you you're like, all right, cool, I'll be out Thursday. You don't have the time to go through and do anything with those clients. Like you, you don't have a chance to build a rapport, get into the depth, ask them the questions, explain what you, who you are, what you aren't, and talk about budget. You don't have time for that because you're trying to run 100 miles an hour. And what I recommend everybody to do is go to Craigslist. Spend 50 to $100, get an old iPhone, cell phone, whatever. Keep that thing chained to a desk in your house. Go to AT&T. It's 15 bucks a month in a family plan. You can uh, put a line to it with its own designated number. You advertise at that number. It goes to your office. You leave a nice message on that phone that says, hey, guys, we're out building awesome backdoor outdoor living spaces. We can't wait to talk to you about yours. Leave a message. We'll get back right in touch with you next 24 hours, whatever. Next step, they give a call. You're ready. You're sitting at a desk. You're mentally prepared for a phone call and you reach out to them. Hopefully you don't have to leave a message. If you do, you schedule something and you have a call, but it's on your time, right? That's what professionals do. They don't shoot off the hip when they're six foot deep in the dirt and the mud in a skid steer trying to make phone calls for $100,000 projects. You wonder why you get stuck in $6,000 patio land because you act like a freaking contractor. If you just professionalize your front lines, even if you are still in the field, there's nothing wrong with that. I was there for many years, but professionalize your front lines. So at least you give the impression that you have some order. People will pay for process. Because process equals uh, confidence and also equals uh, certainty. And people with money want certainty. They don't want somebody shooting off the hip all the time. So when you have a process like this laid out where they call, they leave that message, you come back on, say, every Tuesday and Thursday, you come back for two hours in the afternoon, you just do phone calls. You have a sales process in place. You work through them on the phone spend 20, 30 minutes with them on the phone, you'll know within that time whether you're going to actually have a viable client that is ready to go, loves what you do, totally on board, ready to write you a check, or whether you've got somebody kicking tires that's got 15 other guys coming out to give them a bid. You'll know that within 15, 20, 30 minutes of max. And then when you go out there, you say stay out for you know a couple of hours. My average time frame with a client on site is 15 to 30 minutes, sometimes 45 if they're yappy. But I've done all the pre-selling and all the work on the phone. So by the time I get there, it's, hi, how you doing? Let's take a look at the space. Where's the check, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a quicker move, you know, so that you can be out there. And, and we don't do measurements after the meeting. Personally, we don't do that. We come back at a later date when we're closer to the design phase. Because to be quite honest with you, after I'm done with that, and then to go out and take measurements and then go to another site and then do that all over again, it's exhausting. You're not in your A game. You're not going to hit six-figure projects if you're fucking around in your C game. You have to make sure you get that laid out. Then you line up three or four or five measurements in a day and you go out there and you put that cap on and all day long, you just focus on those measurements. You start systemizing these things and that's how you build that, that conveyor belt of awesome projects that your clients feel that process and that system in place. But so often shooting off the hip, phone in the mouth, you know, on the, on the ear in the middle of the skid steer and truck, when you're trying to fill it up with diesel, doesn't cut it guys. You're going to be stuck where you are forever until you change your process. Hundred percent, yeah. And establishing boundaries, especially today. I mean, I I stopped contracting right before really the explosion with social media and even smartphones. Right, two thousand seven, eight. I can't imagine what some of you guys go through today with text messaging and all this. Like, you just have to shut it off. I mean, I 
and the most successful contractors we deal with, they just literally like, no, I'm done. This is my time. Five o'clock, six o'clock, shut it off. And if soon as people know that you have that boundary, they, I, I do believe they respect you more as a professional. Like they don't, if you're a doctor, you're not answering phone calls eight o'clock at night, you know, <laughs> dentist, like you might, if there's an emergency, but in our business, we're not, we're not saving lives here. Right. I mean, nobody's going to die if we don't get back to them that, that, you know, nine o'clock at night, they can, they can wait till it's business time and talk through them. So yeah, Joe, the reason why that happens in our industry specifically where, you know, uh, owners and contractors get beat up by homeowners that are texting them and calling them at all hours of the night when things are on their mind is because we let them, we don't establish those boundaries. They text us at 10 o'clock at night. We want to get that project. So this is pre check writing, right? So you're like, shit, I gotta be on my best behavior. Okay. I'm going to answer them tonight because that might mean we're one step closer to a check. So you're like a dog waiting for a treat and you're like, okay, 10 o'clock at night. I'm gonna, and pretty soon they send you that check. And then the next night they text you at 10 o'clock and you don't answer them. They're like, oh shit, they forgot about me. You know what I mean? You set the, you're, you're your own worst enemy. You have to, no matter what, whether you're in the beginning of the project, you're waiting for that check. You're at the end of the project. You've got to have a very common understanding of what your standard of communication is going to be. If it's between nine and five, then that's what it is, regardless if it's before the project check before all the way through the project or to the end. That's what it is. If it's not, and it's something different, that's fine, but don't adjust it. I'm guilty as hell of this. When I first started my business, I'm like, all right, this is going to come through. Mrs. Jones has a question. It's nine o'clock at night. I'll answer it right now because that'll mean tomorrow we're one step closer to that check. And as soon as she was done, I felt like I couldn't get out of that. Mrs. Jones expected me to be there. And then my mind's like, oh, well, if I don't answer her, she's going to think I forgot about her. And then she's going to hate me when I get to site. It's going to make the whole job shitty. Oh, I can't do that. Pretty soon you feel like you're just being used the whole time because she's, and she's thinking, oh, nine o'clock at night, the kids are in bed. This is great. This is the time I can, you know, decompress from the day and think about this project. And you're like, why is she bothering me? I just want to go to bed. It was all started because you didn't have established boundaries. It's that easy. Um, so you, you've got to realize that your own worst enemy at that point, set your boundaries. And if text is not the way you want to communicate with your clients and say email or phone call or whatever it might be and set that expectation, you're just set it and go. Yeah. Joe, when you have when you're yeah. developing these new products, um, how often are you guys bringing the contractors in to really get feedback? Is it just on the ground, or, or are they actually coming into the 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 facilities? So we have a we have a contractor advisory board that's made up of at least one contractor by each of one of our individual companies. So we meet with them. Um, physically three or four times a year. And then we, we usually generally have a, a monthly call, but we'll bring them in for focus groups. We do um, external focus groups too, with other contractors and designers as well, really on the front end of the phase gate process. So if we think we have an idea that we has legs, uh, we'll bring this group in. And, um, and really this is happening all over North America and Europe. We've got European divisions as well. So you know, sometimes we have products that just never go anywhere. They look at it like this is crap. Here's why. <laughs> right. Um, but or, or generally what happens is they give us really constructive feedback and we modify something so that's better. Um, so we're still I mean, like any company, we've still have a ways to go in some of the, some regards with that. But um, but we've we've involved and we we do the same, ironically, even internally now we, with our own sales teams, with our production people. Um, well, historically, sometimes it's easy to operate in a silo, right? Where you're not gathering input from every act. Like we may think it's the greatest thing in the world. It goes to production. Like we can't make this thing. Here's why, right? There's like um, things like that. We've um, it's it's inter it's been fascinating again coming from the other side 
as a contractor into this side and, and understanding kind of how all that works. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like we're in a good spot. I mean, um, we're constantly looking for collaboration. I mean, you know, any, if you guys ever have ideas for products or where we're made, where there's misses or there's quality issues, I mean, we want to hear it. I mean, if we don't hear it, we're never going to change it. And, um, and you guys are the feet on the street, right? I mean, it's, I look at it like, uh, you know, it's like an army, right? You've got all the soldiers and, and everyone's out on the ground. And if, you know, none of the, the data gets back to the generals and, and, you know, in some of the regards, we don't, you can't change some of that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so communication is key for sure. That's awesome. So Joe, here we're getting toward the end of our conversation. Is there anything else you want to drop on our listeners, anything future coming or anything you've found in the last year or so that has really helped contractors, you know, be more profitable or, or to uh, better serve their clients? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and I touched on this early on, I mean, there is so much data um, and so much research that's happening around uh, really the neuroscience of design. And this goes inside and out about how design, um, it, it, how, how quality design can really impact people overall, like their everyday health and well-being with whether where they work and where they live, where they all of that. And I think it's it's really easy for designers to focus on on beauty and trend, but but beautifully designed spaces, and this is where we're just as a as a as humans just really discovering this idea that well-designed spaces really do make people happier. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of science behind that. So, um, when you look at, you've probably heard, you know, biophilic design, this idea of kind of merging the built and and natural world. But when you think about, when you think about these spaces, um, again, like, you know, people need this connection with nature. I mean, we are in the outdoor industry, right. And we're people, People want to be out there. They 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 know what makes them feel better. There's research and data behind that. So I think for all of us, we have an opportunity and really I would say even an obligation to understand this because we are building spaces where people live and work. I mean, we everything about what we do affects them on a daily basis, right? We we it's easy to look at it again in this superficial trend-driven, product-driven lens, but there's something about well-designed spaces that just fundamentally can change people. If you think about, it's kind of like looking at a beautiful painting. Like it's, it, it's almost universal. Somebody look at a painting and go that God, that's beautiful. Like, you know, Rembrandt, a Monet. Well, what is it about that? That's beautiful. And that's the, that's where science is really digging into that and try and understand why certain spaces make people feel a certain way. Like if you think about an outdoor fire pit, right. That's really well-designed. Maybe it's got some seat walls, maybe just the setting with where it's situated in the yard with the plantings. People would come into that space and just unequivocally say, God, there's something about this space that just makes me feel so good, right? What is, what's happening in our brain that's making them feel that way? And that, that's what I, to me, that, that research is absolutely fascinating. There's a, there's a whole, um, there was a design summit actually um, that just happened at High Point a couple months ago. And Mike Peterson, who used to be the editor of House Beautiful and Lux Magazine, is really driving this, really this conversation. Um, and to me, it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. So for us, there, he's driving it more from an internal designs perspective about how to bring the outdoor in. Well, we're, we're really, we're already outdoor. <laughs> so how can we work more closely with builders and architects to understand this? And if, if we can understand that, I think, I mean, 
we have the ability and again, the obligation, almost a stewardship to really to, to be advocates for this and experts in this idea um, because people need it more than ever. Right. So. Absolutely. I love that. You're so right. Cause and when the nice part is that we can create spaces outside that are comfortable instead of just sitting on a rock somewhere in the sunshine, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you right. can be in a comfortable <laughs> chair and still in the sunshine, feeling the, you know, the wind in your hair and grounding well with bare feet and getting the earth energy and, you know, being able to do all of that in a space that reflects what you love inside of your house, but outside who wouldn't use the space daily? Speak for yourself, man. You drink enough alcohol, man. That rock feels good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you, brother. So, Joe, how can people find you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on there. You can also email me if you ever have an idea that you want to, you know, float, float by me. Uh, it's at joe.reboyne at oldcastle.com. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an open book. I mean, I, I love talking to contractors and designers. I, you know, I know people from all over North America. I love that. So feel free to reach out anytime. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys taking the time and giving me this opportunity. Joe, uh, I appreciate quick, it, Joe. what is your position yeah. at, um, at old castle bell guard? Like, you know I mean, I, I know he talked and I remember you, you went over there, but I, 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 people ask him, I don't know. He just does shit. Yeah. So so I'm I, I'm the director of Bellegarde Residential, so really overseeing um, you know product design, you know sales and marketing. I work closely with those teams. Um, you know I run a I run a design team here with Bellegarde Design Studio. Um, I, I get involved in trade shows and all that, but <laughs> that, you know, really I'm, I'm uh, you know helping to guide the ship and, and where we're headed with Bellegarde on the residential side. So okay, that's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. brother. Dope. Yeah. So Joe, oh, I appreciate it. And I want you to enjoy the rest of your birthday here. And, uh, yeah. sounds like you have well, some dinner plans, a... which will be really awesome. So go out and enjoy <laughs> that. Hopefully they spoil you for sure. Um, so guys, if you found value in what you've heard today with Joe and our conversation, you know, t tell some of your friends about it, share the podcast, shoot someone, you know, over right now and say, Hey guys, listen to this. Cause you know what? Our goal is to impact and empower 2 million people in our, you know, contractors in our, in our space in the next five years. And Dwayne and I are already, you know, so far into that. It's incredible to see how fast you guys are helping us move through this. And it's so, so much of a privilege and, and, and yeah, I, I, I can't even think of words right now. It's just so amazing, but to be able to get out there and help and start a conversation so that people realize that they're not islands out there. I know for years I felt like an island in this industry where I had to kind of figure it out on my own and and there's just so much help. There's so much collaboration out there. Just reach out to anyone you hear in the podcast, Joe included. And you know, if you have questions or you have ideas for products, I mean just let's let's all open this industry up and make it even better than it is now. And in 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll look back and be like, holy shit. Wow. Everything <laughs> changed so quick. And you know, COVID is such a benefit to us when it comes to people being stuck home and really evaluating their space more and thinking about how much more they want to try to squeeze out of every square inch of property they have. And we're sitting mm -hmm. in a beautiful position for that. So uh, again, I love and respect all you guys. Thanks for listening. Joe, thanks for being here with us. And uh, no we'll, we'll chat with you next week. Awesome. Thank you guys. Take care. Yeah.